Welcome to the Next Guy Up podcast, everybody. This is a weekend preview mixed in with a little bit of messing around right now because who cares? We're just, technology's freezing. I still don't trust that I'm here. Um, we have an awesome episode planned for you guys today. A lot of chopping it up with the boys. We are going to be diving into all things that are going on with the University of Tennessee and how we are mm. going to single handedly bring down the NCAA with the help of Virginia. That's right. Um, we're going to be talking about some more college basketball. Uh, got a little bit of NFL news as far as the head coaching cycle is going. We'll talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. There's no point in breaking down a game two weeks from now, so we're going to just give out some fun props that we've been looking at. I've got some juicy ones. I think Mason does too. Um, but other than that, how we doing, boys? We're doing great. Uh, it's been, well, not, not super great last, uh, I'm pretty much all in on this, uh, this Tennessee basketball season. I'll be honest. Uh, last night was a tough break for us. Uh, really yes. bad game, really rough. Uh, I think Tins lost at least one bet on it. Just one. Uh, it was, it was gross. And so I'm still thinking about that to be honest with you, but, um, big game this weekend against Kentucky. We can, we can bounce back in a big way. Or we could just slide down further. So we, we'll see how we respond here. Are we at home this weekend? No, it's at Kentucky. Mm, that does not bode Tough. well for our theory not, that we've been cooking up. Uh, it, it does not. Uh, on the other side of things, uh, Dalton Connect has been putting up, even in a loss, uh, he put up like 31 points last night. Uh, he is on the fast track to the player of the year conversation. And what how he performs this week again in Kentucky is going to really determine that. But uh, if you watch the game against South Carolina, it was like ISO ball central. Yeah, it was. It looked like NBA basketball, where it's like, eh, everyone else is really playing bad. Let's just let him let him cook. And he had thirty one out of the like sixty points that we scored total. So then he, he missed four free throws and was in the gym right after the game shooting free throws. Uh, so, you know, I really like him. I think it's been fun, but sorry to get into college basketball right all of a sudden. No, you're good. That's it's that's what I felt in my in my heart. Is, I felt a deep pain. Is he going to be the highest drafted UT basketball player? I think there's a chance. I know that Tobias Harris back in the day, um, I don't know the exact where he got drafted. Tobias Harris at this point is uh, it's kind of low key one of the like best in the NBA players that's ever come out of Tennessee. Yeah, which feels weird because he was like a freshman. He was a one and done. It doesn't even really feel like he. I, I played at Tennessee I very long. Hard time remembering. Really yeah, what he. I can't even really put together what team he was on. To be honest, like. Yeah, he was on 2010-2011. It was a Bruce Pearl coach team. Uh, final and, or Sweet 16 and, against Michigan State loss? Uh, if so, I think I was at that. If that was the one, I was at that game. Uh, let's they, see, 2010-2011. I'm trying to remember when he where he got drafted. Um, I mean, I know he was high. Yeah, lottery pick. And but, he did pan out, but yeah, pick number 19. 
Okay. I think. I mean, it depends on how the rest of the season goes. I think Connect could pretty easily go higher than that. I think so too, with the way he can score. Because I think Tobias Harris coming out of college was more of a defensive and then like a slasher, get to the paint kind of small forward. Connect is like a true shooting guard who can fill it up from all three levels on offense. Yeah. Yeah. He's a he's a legitimate um NBA like talent as far as offensively. I think he's growing defensively into that spot. And so I think I mean I, I think he could pretty easily uh be a very good NBA player. I'm looking at this roster right now. It looks like they went nineteen and fifteen that season. Ooh. Uh, they did lose in the, they may have been, I think that was a sweet 16. Yeah, I was, it was in St. Louis. I was at that game. Uh, Draymond Green, Draymond Green, uh, airballed two free throws and everyone was chanting and getting him very upset. And I think he got a technical, it was either him or the other center for Michigan State. I just know a big boy was mad. Wait, Draymond Green got a technical? That's unheard wait of. Wait a second. Okay, wait. I think that's actually wrong. Dang it. I was hoping it looks like Tennessee times. lost in the first round of the tournament that year against Michigan. Sounds about right. Wow. Tough. Tough. An 8 9 matchup. Yeah. Uh, that checks out to me. I think we were not very good that year. And so, pretty interesting. Uh, I think Connect does have obviously Grant Williams has, has carved himself out a pretty good NBA career, and there was a couple of guys who came in like the generation before this newer uh, kind of era of Tennessee basketball. They were like Bruce Pearl, uh, Rick Barnes era that were very good and went to the NBA. Like, uh, um, like Chris Lofton. Chris Lofton, uh, he didn't really pan out to be. I thought he had um, a pretty long NBA career. Uh, one of those guards, I think. Not NBA career. No. He played. I mean, he ended up playing overseas some, okay. I think. Same with like Jordan Bone. There's a couple of those guys. Uh, but Chris Lofton was a very. I think Wayne Chisholm also played overseas some. Um, I was convinced Bone was going to yeah. be like the next best point guard in the NBA. I was convinced of it. Yeah, I know. Uh, I I wish he would have. I think he had. I don't know. He something just never worked out there. But it's hard to play in the NBA. It's it's not an easy thing to do. Fun fact about the NBA. Uh, just to kind of show you how many people have truly played in it, put it in perspective for you. LeBron James has played against thirty five percent of every player that's ever played in the NBA. <laughs> So, I mean, small That's rosters, wild. guys play for – I mean, it's not uncommon for a guy to play in the league for like 10, 12 years. Like once you kind of carve out a spot in the NBA, you keep getting mm-hmm. sticking on rosters. Um, but I saw that yesterday, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like this guy, I mean, he's playing, what, year 20 or 21 now? That's crazy. Also part of the DraftKings family now. Welcome to the, the betting world, LeBron. Which is interesting because all these athletes are, yeah, he's like doing advertisement and stuff. Which it's crazy to think of all these like As players. Player? Yeah, yeah, I I saw the same. I was confused too, but I was like, well, aren't people betting on him and he's he can do advertising? 
So I'll I'll pull up the details of that, but that's yeah. I wonder what the NBA's gambling policy is because you know you haven't really heard of anyone getting in trouble for that. I know NFL, uh, which is crazy, they're having the Super Bowl in Las Vegas when uh, NFL players are not allowed to step foot in a sports book until the NFL season is over, mm-hmm. and they're not they're not allowed to gamble while they're in Vegas at all. So they can't even go to like the roulette table um, because they're there for the Super Bowl. So why are we having this in Las Vegas? We're just going to get somebody suspended for this game. Good question. If we're lucky. So LeBron James joins DraftKings family and legendary team up. The NBA legend will share uh, his deep compassion for sports through football picks and other keys. Uh, <laughs> tent pulse uh events and then there's a picture i've seen this floating around he has his like famous like trademark where he takes the powder and throws it up in the air and it's him doing that with the DraftKings and the smoke powder the DraftKings logo as you can see here for everybody listening to the podcast hmm. so <laughs> it's a good visual for an audio uh, podcast but yes thank you mate. you're welcome but uh yeah interesting he's like part of it keeps constantly saying part of the DraftKings family um so i don't know what all that entails but apparently he's gonna be giving out picks that are not nba, uh, NBA so well he was doing yeah. live streams i guess that's how he's able to tip to- Sorry, he was yeah. doing like Instagram lives of NFL picks. He wasn't doing like against the spread. He was just picking like money lines. And people were roasting him because he was like, like, yeah, I'm gonna take the 49ers this week against the Cardinals. I think I think that I think they're gonna win. It's like, yeah, no duh, dude. They're like minus six hundred. What are you giving out? <laughs> well, I don't know if this is gonna be beating stuff, but uh yeah. Interesting it it's crazy to think how t- uh, strict they are about betting and they can do a partnership like this. So I'm sure we'll see more of it too. Okay. To circle back for one yes, second, go ahead. Before we got we off get the rails by the, before we get canceled by the Tennessee old heads out there, um, uh, yes. best NBA careers, uh, Bernard King, definitely number one. Uh, he was drafted in 1977 as the number seventh pick. He averaged one season, he averaged almost 33 points a game in 1985. He went to four All-Star games and was first-team All-NBA in 84 and 85. So, uh, shout-out Bernard King. There's a couple other ones to shout-out really fast. Um, Dale Ellis, also in that, he also had a very good NBA career. High draft pick. And then, um, there's one other. Hang on. Let me Let me get there. It was... Allen Houston, also big time. He went number 11 in the 93 draft. And then let me see whenever Dale Ellis. Dale Ellis is in the 1970, uh, 1983 draft, and the number nine pick as well. So there's been a couple top 10 picks out there, but questions uh, that could be, could join it. Yes, Mason. Were you talking about a certain person or certain people uh, when you said Tennessee old heads or UT <laughs> old heads? Nobody, nobody. There's a lot of them out there. Specific, there wasn't anybody though. particular. Okay. 
Just wondering. Um, I mean, a lot of those guys were playing whenever my dad was like in elementary school or whatever, you know. So I don't, I don't know. But he he watched them. There was like a particular era in like that 70s where Tennessee was pretty good. And they were really bad for a long time until Bruce Pearl really got to be the head coach. So uh, then we've had a, had a pretty long standing uh, streak of good teams that just can't perform in March. So we're looking for, for a different result this year. Last, last night did not make me feel very good about it. Well, I think South Carolina is just one of those teams that they're just pesky. I mean, they beat, they beat Kentucky recently. They might be good. They're think, 18 and three. I think they're good. I think I asked the question. I said, I know this isn't the time, but is South Carolina good? They very well could be. Yeah, they have a, a, a new coach. They were very bad last year. Yeah. But it does definitely seems like they're on the come up. So there is a chance. I think I think legitimately outside of Vandy and Missouri, I think all the SEC teams are good. Like I think they're all above average, decent, at least. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think, I truly do think the SEC has the toughest conference in college basketball this year, followed probably by the wow. big. It's a take. I know it's a take, but the Big Ten sucks. Uh, the Big East is, is a uh, top heavy with, with UConn and uh, Marquette. And I'm so tired of hearing about the Big East. Like they're the only conference in college basketball, apparently. Um, we get it. Northerners, <laughs> Northeasterners, y'all don't have college football. So you think you own college basketball, but you don't. Um, SEC's winning the national championship wow. this year. Got him. And then <laughs> I think, you know, the Pac 12's dead. Wow. It's true. Basketball wise, they are dead. too. I mean, they're normally, yeah. they're normally yeah. like Oregon's kind of frisky. Um, not this year. They've been a punching bag. <clears throat> um, Arizona's like the only tough team. And they've and they've lost a couple of big games as well. Yeah, yeah. So SEC is going to win the national championship. It's it's my hot take. Did you ever find a Did you ever find a future on that? No, no book. They're not offering stuff like that. No one offers. They're it. cowards, is why. Because they know Tinsley will bankrupt them. That is, in theory, what they're afraid of. Okay, do we want to pivot to? More college basketball talk? Or do we want to pivot to more Tennessee talk? Because there's two directions we could go. Let's, let's talk about Tennessee. Zach has been in the lab okay. figuring out how exactly we're going to take down the NCAA. Um, I'll let Zach take it from here. Yeah, we got, we got some big news uh, coming out yesterday that Pat Ford, famous Tennessee hater, dropped the news that the NCAA was investigating Tennessee for NIL infractions or violations and everyone kind of did their overreaction typical thing a couple hours later donde plowman who is the chancellor at ut came out with a pretty scathing response to this talking about how a lot of the ncaa stuff was blatant lies or uh blatant attempts at kind of misrepresenting the situation and she would she did not pull any punches and she was and she kind of used some pretty harsh language to say, you know, this is we're not doing this here. You're not gonna come in and, and try and pin us with a bunch of this stuff after all that's happened. And that's not very typical response to NCAA about allegations, especially after we kind of laid down at their feet after the Jeremy Pruitt stuff that happened. 
And so now today, some more news has come out that this has gone deeper than that. Tennessee and Virginia, not the universities, but the states, like the state of Tennessee and state of Virginia have come together to sue the NCAA. And what I think is going to be pretty groundbreaking lawsuit one way or the other, whatever happens here is going to set a precedent for sure. And in the very limited legal knowledge I know, it seems as though they're suing under antitrust laws, federal laws, saying that, hey, you've you've opened up this can of worms with the NIL. You can't just, you can't try and put all of these rules and regulations in now that isn't fair to the student athletes. That's not fair. So uh, basically saying, I think you're not in control over this anymore. And we have to work treating it more like the NFL collective treats its teams versus uh, how the NCAA has been running things beforehand. So really interesting stuff. I think a lot of the talking points are, are coming down to the big rule violent. So the other big issue is the NCAA unveils this whole NAL thing and doesn't have any rules or regulations. And then it's trying to come back after the fact and retroactively hit all of these teams with these violations that weren't even in place whenever this stuff was happening, which I think is the big, that was what the big thing that the chancellor was like, you're not going to do this to us. And so it looks like a, a lot of the big talking points are that if you are a student athlete trying to, trying to pick which university you're going to, whether from the transfer portal or as, a senior going into college for the first time. Uh, You are not allowed to negotiate with collectives. You cannot review NIL offers prior to making an enrollment decision. Uh, And so that's been the big thing is if you bring in a, a recruit, you're technically not allowed to say, hey, this company would really like to give you this NIL money if you come here, or this company is gonna sign you this you're not allowed to do that until after you've already enrolled technically, which is pretty much impossible to monitor. And so I think what, what it's come down to is instead of play, let start letting the NIL stuff happen. And then all of a sudden it's obviously unregulated and it's becoming a mess. And so there is a potential from what I've heard, I think the NCAA is going to try to avoid going to court over all of this at all costs. From what I've heard from Tennessee side, they've really uh, been above, like uh, tried to be above board on a lot of the stuff and tried to keep up with it and been really organized and have taken notes of everything and have tried to meet multiple times with NCAA. I think the NCAA is kind of floundering right now. They do not want to go to court. And so I think this could be an interesting precedent set here. I think what we might see come out of this is some sort of collective where something closer to a salary cap type situation might pop up where you're otherwise those top teams are just going to pay a jillion dollars and they're going to be able to just buy whoever they want. And so I think that obviously that's why the NFL and the NBA and all of the professional sports teams have those things built into place to prevent things like that from happening. So we'll see where it goes, uh, but it's going to be groundbreaking. <laughs> I think it's hilarious that Tennessee is right in the middle of it from the get-go. And Tennessee kind of spawned. It was going to happen eventually, I think. But the fact that all of this is now happening. And I think college teams are going to start being like, what is the NCAA actually doing for us here? Do we need this governing body telling us what to do? 
And I think probably the answer is going to be maybe not unless there's some pretty significant changes. So fun stuff happening out there. It's going to be a lot. We're going to hear a lot about it in the next couple of weeks, I think. Uh, but I think NCAA opened up a whole can of worms whenever they came after Tennessee here and more than they were bargaining for. <clears throat> yeah, I think Tennessee was the wrong fan base to try and kind of what, what what kind of why are you going to kick this beehive? I mean, we've shown that we yep. we will literally burn down a city because you hired Greg <laughs> Schiano, um, or you left us. True. Or you left left us in the middle of the night to go coach at USC. Like we will we will hold a grudge. We will throw golf balls. Like we are we are not the ones. So yeah. Definitely interesting. Agree. Stuff. I think, and I think the other thing is, after all the stuff that happened with Harbaugh this year, or didn't happen, really. Yep. That was pretty obvious that something had happened here. We're just gonna we're just gonna ignore it and let him win the national championship and just kind of slap him on the wrist. I think if that happened there at Michigan and then Tennessee all of a sudden gets hit with some kind of big violation or people, it's it's not gonna fly. I don't think. Uh, so, I'm excited to see where it turns. I will. Tennessee is fan base is very passionate and it seems like our administration and athletic director have their stuff together for the first time in maybe a long time. <laughs> and they're, they're ready to, to, to do war with NCAA. So fun stuff happening there for sure. All right. Well, that is our legal corner with Zach Durham. You're welcome. He knows what he's talking about. His dad's a lawyer. Shout out to all. Uh, yeah, my dad's a lawyer. <laughs> I read a couple articles, so you could say uh, I'm in. Have the you know. talked to your dad about it? <laughs> I've not. We should have him on the pod, though. Yeah, I feel like a, a call to Robert should be in our near future. He can break it down. Explain <laughs> this. Explain this to me like I'm five. <laughs> All right. Well, that is so. That's what's going on. It's pretty big story going on in uh, college football and college sports, just in general. Um, just so happens sure. to involve yep. our favorite team. So we're, you know, boots on the ground here. Um, Heck yeah. Like Zach talked about earlier, um, we're talking about UT basketball and kind of like this new thing that me and Zach, mostly Zach has cooked up where we've, we've noticed a trend bet on every home team against a ranked team, especially when it's top 10. Mm-hmm. We've been testing mm-hmm. this theory a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Zach has been betting, which tells you all you need to know. Uh, it's true. But we've been yeah. hitting some. You take the money line, but you also take the spread. There's a chance that double dip wins. Like last night, Georgia Tech, uh, home team against top six, Kansas, uh, or not Kansas, uh, North Carolina, um, plus 370 right. on the money line. They went out right. So they cover your spread as an underdog, and then they win outright as an underdog. Um, so this is a new thing we're going to do. I'm going to start tweeting about it, saying, alert, alert. These are the teams that fall into the trend that Zach has cooked yeah. up. And so it's just something fun for the pod because college basketball is really – is it's in high uh, – like we're, we're, we're in it. We're in the thick of college basketball now. Yeah. Conferences are yeah. shaking out. <laughs> Uh, March Madness will be here before we know it. Um, so let's make a bunch of money before the tournament starts so we can quadruple it on whoever plays Purdue first round. Um, take them money line. I don't care if Purdue's the number Just one seed again. An update on this. So so essentially 
the idea is every single team that's playing on the road, that's a, that if there is a, a ranked team playing on the road, you're taking the home team spread and money line. Yes. And so if they both, if the, if the home team wins, then you win both of them. And so we've been tracking it throughout this week. Uh, it's been, I mean, it's been about half and half, I would say. I don't know that we've, it's been super in the positives yet, but there has been a good bit of upsets. And so those help out a good bit. I'll say live update right now. This is happening Wednesday night. Uh, Georgia is plus 230 against Alabama, and they are currently up 17 to 2 on Alabama to start oh, the game. Eight minutes no. in. No, I was going to take it. No, I didn't take it. Oh, I'm very. <laughs> ah, it. So it's a system play. You, got to, you, you take every single game yeah. uh, because I. So I've done a little bit more research on it as well. Uh, in the SEC this season, the home team has won 81% of home games. That's crazy. That is a big number. That's a, that's a very uh, and, big all, and obviously that's including some of the non-conference play in that. But in, in the SEC, though, 81% of home, of home teams have won the game. And so the only team that is, has a losing record at home is Vanderbilt. You take that out, the number is closer to – you take Vandy's – uh, losses out is closer to 85%. And so we're, we're finding that more and more of these top teams are going on the road into harsh environments and are falling there. Home court advantage seems to be elevated. And so we're going to continue to track this. Uh, I think it'll be fun to see where, where it all shakes out. There have been some fun, big upsets like last night, uh, North Carolina going down. So uh, fun stuff there. It's just kind of for fun, but I, we have seen some trends start to come out this year. I think this the percentages are even favoring the home teams more heavily than they have in the past this year. Yep. I agree. I mean, it's, it's definitely what we've been talking about for a few weeks now where home court advantage is just, it's such a, such an advantage, especially when you get these top top tier teams coming in, the fans are excited and it can really kind of swing momentum. Um, for you. And, totally. I, and I do just yep. think, and this was kind of, we're kind of a little bit everywhere. Um, which is fine. We're having fun. I think we're really seeing the transfer portal and how it's affecting college basketball. I think significantly more than we are in football. Um, mm. Basketball, you can see a single player kind of transform a whole team. I mean, look at UT, yep. kind of known as a defensive team, low scoring, kind of play possession basketball. They add a player with NBA talent as a scorer. And now we're talking about we we could really really see ourselves making a run in the tournament for maybe the first time. I mean, I think if we're being honest, all those UT teams that played that slow-paced basketball, we kind of knew what would happen in the tournament. But now we yeah. feel like we've got a guy who can fill it up um, and kind of take us to that next level. And so I'm really, I'm really starting to really believe that the transfer portal, I think, is more effective for college basketball than it is mm. in football. Because football is such a team sport. It's so much harder for for a single player to make the different a, a difference. Um, even even if you're talking about quarterbacks and quarterbacks, most important position in college football, I think, probably football in general. Um, but if he doesn't have that talent around him, how much can he really elevate a team? But with basketball, it's it's five on five, and it is a sport that one person can truly make a difference. So it's something I've been yep. kind of looking more at as far as like teams that kind of do more homegrown. Um, don't really hit the transfer portal and the teams that are going and getting these top 
upperclassmen that are maybe aren't ready for the draft and saying, Hey, come join our team. Let's make a March, March run, improve your draft stock. You can make some money at NIL and we can improve as a team. Um, like Arizona has kind of picked, picked that route. And I know we've talked about how they've struggled a little bit, but they've kind of, they've um, sniped some guys from the San Diego state team from last year. They got Caleb Love from North Carolina, who's a very good player. Um, so you kind of look at a team like that to maybe make a March run because they've went and got all these, for a better term, maybe free agents in the, in the transfer pool yeah. to improve their team instead of counting on a true freshman 18-year-old who's maybe not ready yet. You do also wonder, though, if it's going to take away from some of the I don't know, March Madness, madness of it all. Like, would would Steph Curry if if like went to State of Davidson if he if there was an easy transfer portal option? You know, yeah. Like some of those some of those guys who come from those smaller schools because maybe they're undersized early on. Um, they went to a smaller high school. They're not as recruited. They go to a smaller school and then they make a big splash there. And then um, if we just if it's gonna be the same as college football where uh, right now, I mean, there are blue bloods in college basketball, but they, they're not winning it every year versus are we going to see the, the big time teams just kind of load up on talent every year and not even just freshmen, like 10 said, but now if they're going to load up on sophomores or juniors who have spent time at other schools and then they're, they're, they're loading in veteran talent as well as the freshman talent. So I think that could also happen. Dalton connect uh, did not come from, a big school. He, he was kind of in that, in that model. He came from Northern Colorado where uh, he wasn't very recruited as, um, as a freshman. Uh, he found his place and then he ended up at Tennessee after that. So yep. we may see that. Yeah. It's just been, it's fun. It's kind of creating more parity across college basketball, which I, there are, there's always going to be, I feel yeah. like basketball is just such a, it's an interesting sport especially at the college ranks, like it's just chaos. It's just pure chaos. Every night something crazy can happen. Um, it is chaos. And that's, it is. And I think that's why March Madness is truly the, the perfect playoff system, just because literally anything can happen. All right, so we're going to transition over to the NFL now. We have got some news going on with the coaching carousel. It's kind of wrapping up now. Uh, just today, Wednesday, we got Mike McDonald, youngest NFL coach, taking over the Seahawks job, which was kind of surprising to me um, after what came out with Ben Johnson turning down the commander's job. It looked like Mike McDonald was going to be the favorite to land in Washington. Well, the Seahawks kind of swept in. Looks like they gave him a seven-year deal. Um, the money part of that hasn't come out yet, but I imagine it's a very big sum. Um, to kind of swoop him away from Washington. So he's going to take over a up-and-coming Seahawks team. It's got a lot, a lot of young pieces. Um, kind of got to figure out the quarterback situation. Um, but very exciting, very exciting. I mean, I feel I, at this point I feel bad for the commanders. They were on their way to Detroit to pretty much probably wrap up the interviewing process with Ben Johnson. And he tells them, I've changed my mind. I'm going to stick around in Detroit. Um, they pivot to uh, Slovic, who is the offensive coordinator for the Texans. Um, he turns them down as well. 
Um, last minute signs an extension with the Texans. And then so now they went to their third option, which was Mike McDonald, who has now taken the Seahawks job. So I think the the, the commanders who, to me, I felt like it was a promising, like a, a good head coaching landing spot. They've got a lot of cap room, uh, second overall pick, a GM who comes from a, a successful organization with the 49ers, and a new ownership group who's going to be hiring their first head coach. So, uh, you know, a lot of room to grow. I don't see why this wasn't maybe one of the more sought after landing spots, but here we are. They're the last one standing. And I really don't have a lead on who they're going to take. Um, I mean, Dan Quinn is really Vrabel. Vrabel. Apparently Vrabel's not even gotten an interview. Uh, heard on a podcast today that the, uh, they were texting with Vrabel and he said, tell him to call me. I haven't heard from him. Um, so that's a little wow. surprising to me. Um, I don't think Belichick will go to Washington just because what's come out now is why he didn't get the Falcons job is he wants control of the front office like he had with the Patriots. And Washington is not going to give him that, especially after they just hired the top exec um, as far as free agent, GM, up-and-coming guys. Um, so I don't see him landing there. So I think Washington's going to kind of get stuck with somebody they probably – talking about fifth, maybe sixth option here at this point. It's kind of tough. Um, but I don't really have any leads on who that's going to be. Yeah, you kind of touched on it. The Seahawks went from having the oldest head coach in the NFL to the youngest at the age of 36. And uh, like you said, the commander's kind of scrambling here. You don't really hear of we're getting to the Super Bowl, and usually at that point every team has uh, – a head coach because this is pivotal like time still to get you know into the organization start yeah. getting ready for free agency everything like that so falling behind a little bit but we'll see what happens i'm i'm also curious to see uh you you and i uh talked about how i was like is ben johnson why did he change his mind and you're like maybe he's waiting for a better team next year so we'll see what happens yeah, I just I don't get that because this was a pretty good cycle of jobs that were open, um, and I don't see what opportunities really would open up next year um, off the top of my head. But um, like you said, it's, they're getting behind in the process for Washington. I mean, Senior Bowl is going on right now. That is a huge time for your head coach and your GM to get there, uh, scout these guys out, and kind of start developing your draft board Um it's huge for a GM and a head coach to kind of work together during the draft process of, you know, the GM is going to draft a guy, but is he a guy that the head coach can fit in his system? So at this point, if you don't have your head coach, then it's kind of hard to be scouting for what they need. So definitely a very tricky situation. Um, like I said, it's, it's very uncommon to go this long into the process of not having your head coach. Um, and I don't see Washington taking anyone from the 49ers or Chiefs coaching staff just because those are not staffs that got any interviews, requests, um, or anything like that. I mean, the the Chiefs' two coordinators are pretty set in stone. Um, they'll be there for a while. So I don't know. Definitely, definitely interesting. I was shocked that Ben Johnson didn't take a head coaching job. Um, that was like – he was like penciled in – Washington stopped doing interviews for the last couple of weeks because they thought Ben Johnson was their guy. 
Mm. So that's tough. But moving on to the Super Bowl. We've got a Super Bowl, ladies and gentlemen. And we're not going to do a super breakdown this week because guess what? We'll do that next week. Um, But maybe the most fun thing about the Super Bowl to me is props. The Super Bowl gives a a variety of specialty props, you know, heads or tails, what color the Gatorade's going to be, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, it's a game where the margins are very thin as far as player traditional player props or the spread or over and under. Um, so I and I think Mason feels this way too. It's a more fun ra- route to take props and do things like that to try to make some money instead of just traditionally betting on who's going to win the game. Um, so I know I've got a few really fun. These are very long shot props. Um, yeah. so please don't be knocking on my door when you bet 10 units on one of these things I'm giving out. Um, I cannot help you because I am not betting a lot on these props. These are just for fun. But who knows? If they hit, then I'll do a victory dance. So, Mason, I would love to hear where you're going. Yeah, so I also love the props, some of the long props. And I've done some research. I'm going to tease that next week I will have my – I will announce my f- first touchdown score, which Tinsley might know this, but I've hit two of the last three in the Super Bowl. He has been with me for two of those. I'll, I'll tell you what, what they were. 2021 Gronk. Gronk. I said he's his go-to. He always And he actually threw two to him in that game. Yep. Uh, the year after that was Odell Beckham Jr. We made we were jumping. so much money. He took it with me, and so did my wife. And last year, I did not bet on Jalen Hurts to score the first touchdown because I was not really thinking that was going to happen, obviously. So we're two for three. Um, yep. I'm feeling good. I've done a lot of research. I already feel like I have my guy, but I'm going to wait until next week to announce that. But Love some it. of the fun ones I wanted to, he already talked about it. The coin toss is a 50, 50 shot. Obviously there's two sides to every coin, but Tinsley, did you know that it has landed on tails 10 or seven of the last 10 Super Bowls? Hmm. Something to think not. about. It doesn't matter what the pass is. Zach's like, who freaking cares? It's a different it's a different flip every single time. But just wanted to tell you that. Um, also, we've talked about it on Mess Around Mondays. The halftime show is you can't bet it in Tennessee, so call your bookie from out of the states. But the halftime, there's actually halftime show props. Um, Usher's performing the halftime show. Uh and my boo and yeah were some of the among the favorites for the Super Bowl Sunday, uh, like first halftime show on Mason's <clears throat> top ten list. By the way, yes, thank you. Twenty twenty four top was... ten uh, events list. Yeah. Halftime show. So Alicia Keys is in one of those songs, and Ludacris is in the other, and. What you th- what you know minus three twenty to appear during the halftime show, Ludic- uh, Alicia Keys. While Ludacris was priced at minus two ten, Little Wayne had the longest long shot of plus five fifty to appear in the halftime show. 
how is that a thing? I don't understand how you can because that's like no, that's been planned already. So, like they know those artists know if they're going to be in it or not. It's so, so many people though as well. Yeah, that's that's why you can't bet it. You can only bet it in certain states. But I mean, think about it. People didn't even know that Rihanna was pregnant until it happened. Like people keep this stuff like insanely secretive. It happens every year. People are like, what this like people thought that someone was going to be at the weekend and no one showed up because it happens every year where there's a surprise guest half the time. Wasn't 50 cent like hanging from the ceiling. Everybody lost their mind because nobody knew it was happening. Mm. So it happens every year. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you. I did not expect the Red Hot Chili Peppers to come out with Bruno Mars. That I would not have go. bet that. That was probably plus one thousand. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. What's the uh, What's the Taylor Swift prop, everybody? Of what? Um, like uh, number well, of appearances looking, on TV, or I was looking to see. So far, I've not found anything of. I'm sure we could you could play like a game of like guessing how many times, but so far there's not like a sports book mm. or a way of betting this. But Words. we've talked about Reba on this podcast. Big Reba fans oh, here wow. at the next guy up. Wow, this is she is performing the uh, national anthem. The over under for her performance is eighty nine and a half seconds. So if you Zach, if you convert that to minutes, that is one and a half minutes. Beautiful. Just under. She pre- she previously sang the anthem in the nineteen ninety seven World Series, hmm. and then at a celebrity softball game in two thousand seventeen. Uh, a couple go. years ago, they shut down the prop because then a video surfaced of I don't remember who was it Chris Stapleton or somebody else that really so. like their national anthem got released okay last one real quick tinsley talked about the gatorade bath this year's gatorade odds are purple plus 175 yellow slash green at plus 275 orange at plus 330 blue at plus 330 red at plus 500 clear plus 1200 no gatorade bath at plus 2000 give me blue I'm betting red because if the chiefs win I think that they would want to have red mm. gatorade splashed on Andy Reid True. I like that as well. Hey, I do have Never some purple. Uh, I do have some Taylor Swift stats from the last game. I found them. Let's hear it. I want to hear um, it. She was shown a total of seven times on TV. Uh the, the total game time was three hours and nine minutes. She was on TV for forty-four seconds, which breaks down to 0.39% of the broadcast was Taylor Swift centric. Yeah, I saw a stat where someone was like, they literally showed people eating crab cakes in the Bay yeah, of Baltimore similar. like for more time. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so there you go. Um, and then I also saw another fun stat that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, the numbers for the, for the NFL viewership this year have been crazy compared to all other sports. But... Um, the Chiefs Ravens game had an average viewership of 55.5 million views and 64 million peak viewership, which makes it the most watched AFC championship of all time ever. This will be the most watched Super Bowl of all time. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. And probably won't be broken for a really long yeah, time. The NFL okay, is huge right now. Yeah. All, all right. right. I want to hear your bets. Let's so, get it. I'll have plenty more next week, but these are my fun, fun props for 
very early betting. So first one I'm going to give out is any offensive lineman to score a touchdown at plus 4,000. Wow. Think about it. Andy Reid, creative guy. He lo- he would love nothing more than to put a tight end is eligible. You bootleg one way. You throw it back across the field. Plus 4,000. Or maybe there's a fumble on the one-yard line, and one of the big boys scoops it up and scores. Plus 4,000? So that's worth a sprinkle dinkle if I've ever thought. Mm. Um, and then my next two long shot. Remember, people, these are long shots. Don't be knocking. On, I'm not even talking a half unit here. I'm talking about quarter unit max. I'm going to go with two exact score props. Now, this is the most absurd thing to bet on, I think, uh, is trying to guess the exact score of a football game because there's probably Zach's a uh, doctor of math, uh, yep. thousands of. Thousands of possibilities of what these yeah, score could millions. be. Millions. People hit it every year. You see a ticket out there of someone that put $5 for like yep. 8000 bucks. there's millions so, of people bingo. who lose money on it every year. Well, I'm going to be one of the millions that hits the first thing that Mason was talking about. Because <laughs> uh, it's a New Year's resolution to bankrupt DraftKings. Uh, they're the one I've locked in on. So, I'm going with two exact scores here. Uh, the first one, I stole from my guy Peter Strager from Good Morning Football, uh, he has predicted the winner of the Super Bowl three years in a row. He actually has predicted the matchup, I think, now two out of the last four years. Um, so this is a preseason thing that they do. And another fun part that he does is he like creates a story where he's like, and this player is going to make this play and seal the game and blah, blah, blah. He did this last year, and it was accurate. I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, but he predicted this year that the game would end on a pick six with the final score being 34 to 28. Those odds came up to um, plus 17,000. I put $2.20 on it to win $376. So, love it. 34 to 28 is my first exact score prop. The next one I am taking, and this was only plus 7,500. It's 31-21, and the reason I took this one is if you are familiar with O's the Mentalist, he got to go to a lot of the NFL teams. He's a illusionist, magician kind of guy. Um, he, accurate, he predicted that Miko Hardman would be in the Super Bowl and that the Jets would beat the 49ers 31-21. Well, newsflash, the Jets are not in the Super Bowl, but Miko Hardman was traded from the Jets to the Chiefs. So I'm taking my theory that that uh, Mr. O, O's the Mentalist saw the wrong team, but he did accurately mm. see the future. Right. 31-21 Chiefs um, plus 7,500 you know, at a free $5 bet. 34-28 is a great overtime uh, score because – that's without no kicking extra point. extra point. Yeah. Yep. So 28, 28 in overtime. You got to. Yeah. I think that's chance. what Peter said. I think Peter said it was like a, like an a overtime, pick overtime. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah. I think that's what he said. Yeah. Overtime makes sense there. So yeah. Those, those are my three super duper long shot, get rich quick um, props for the Super Bowl. Um, I will have a lot more next week. I know Mason will as well. We will unload the clip for the Super Bowl. Um, 
and we'll have a lot of we've got a lot of fun stuff planned for the Super Bowl today. Lots of chicken nuggets mm-hmm. in our future. Um, Throwback yeah. to a recent episode. Um, so we're excited. We are pumped. Um, all right, so that is going to be a pod. Make sure you're checking us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, make sure you're looking alive for our Monday episodes. We have got a lot. We we we've been in the lab cooking. We've got a lot of fun stuff planned. Um, make sure you check out this Monday's episode for part two of our basketball team assembly draft. I don't know what we're gonna call it. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pick the five villains to go up against our superhero team. And I, this villain team, they they might be able to frisky. They might they. Early, early uh, thoughts are they might be frisky. <laughs> early comments from the crowd are that uh, our superhero team might be a little soft. The monsters. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that fun stuff. And we will see you on Monday. Bye.